Can you turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter and what chapter? 2. You know where we're going today. You know where we're going. 1 Peter and chapter 2. And we're going to be addressed by God, amen? So can you stand to your feet as we hear Holy Scripture read and God address us? Hear the word of God, New Day. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, New Day, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let me pray for us once more. Father, we thank you for your grace given to us in your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would come now by your Holy Spirit and that you would lift our gaze to Christ and to who we are in him, that we might walk away from this field with a new level of confidence, with heads held high, with dignity instilled in our hearts because of what you say about us as your people. And all God's people say, amen. Thank you. Do take a seat. This is the big idea this morning. You, if you are a Christian here today, you are a priest. Did you know that? You have been ordained into the ministry. Some people think that if you want to get into the ministry, you have to go to Bible college and then maybe you become a pastor or you become a vicar or a church leader. It's false. The Bible tells us when you become a Christian, you get ordained into the ministry and you are called now a priest. This is what the Bible says. Peter says, you are now a royal priesthood. And this has nothing to do with dog collars and robes and waving incense around at people. This has to do with something far better, far greater, far grander that will actually change your life if you believe this. Um, My kids, as I told you, they're eight and six. And when you're eight and six, the main things that go on at school is, is like the drama in the playground. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Like who's playing with who? Who's best friends with who? And every day we get the lowdown on like who's been invited to whose house? Who's been left out? It's not fair. Why can't I go to their house? They're getting invited here. There is this continual back and forth as to who's in and who's out, who's playing with who. And one of the weird things as a parent 
is that when you watch your children grow up, what's happening with me is that there's all these kind of floods of memories of my own life going through school and all the drama of those friendship groups flooding back from my own childhood. And I remember those days when I was struggling to find myself in a social circle. I started growing up when I I was a kid. I went to a small boys' school. And then when I got to year eight, I switched schools and I went to the local comprehensive where there were girls, which was, for me at that time, a terrifying prospect. I'd been grown up in this small all-boys' school and suddenly I'm thrown into this big school with girls. And on my first day, what happened is I was like... I was a year late. Everyone started in year seven. I started, so I was this weird kid who joined this tutor group. I didn't know anyone in the school. And on the first day, I found myself walking at break time with Georgia to the canteen. And I say chatting with Georgia. What I basically mean is me freaking out, kind of mumbling nothing, and her chatting at me. Any year eight boys know what I'm talking about? I was slightly like, Oh my, a, a girl is taught like, stay cool, be cool. And do you know, after about five minutes of chatting, she turned to me and, and this is what she, do you want to know what she told me? She said to me, she looked at me and said, you're so boring. That's what she told me. I was like, wow. So making friends at this school is so far going really well. I'm going to make... And that was her... So suddenly I was cut out of this. Her assessment in five minutes of me, like... You're boring. You're not part of our social group. You're not hanging out with us. That's basically it. I didn't really talk to Georgia again for the next few years. Slowly, I made friends, though. Thankfully, there is football in life for boys, and you can just kick a ball at each other and call yourselves friends. So I made some friends playing football. But I always had this strange feeling that even though I was kind of accepted and people kind of liked me, I was like slightly on the outside of the friendship group. Like I had arrived a year late. I remember once seeing two of my friends walking off and it was just this sudden like pang in my heart. I was like, oh, they've got a friendship, like a depth and they've got something together that I don't have with them. Have you ever felt that feeling? Like you feel like you're in the thing, but you are kind of aware also there is this kind of insecurity sometimes that there's this like invisible in a circle that you're not quite a part of. Has anyone ever felt that? Any amens in the house, in the fields? All right. I'm not the only one just sharing my soul. Good. There is this sense that there's like somewhere there is an inner clique, an inner circle, and we try and get into it. And I think for Christians, it's hard because even though you might have the best friends at school, if you're the only Christian in that, in that friendship circle, you're kind of aware that deep down, you're walking towards Jesus and they're not walking towards Jesus. So you're always battling with this sense of where do I fit? And am I really on the inner circle of this friendship group? And I think we do two types of things when, when we feel this kind of insecurity. The first thing we do is we, we try and just fit in. We do everything we can like we change what we wear, we change how we speak, we get new shoes, we, we just act like the group because we're desperate to fit in. I want to feel like I'm on the inside of this thing. The other thing that people do is that they just rebel. Some people have got like clique radars. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? If they sense there's a clique or an inner circle or something that they're not part of, they, they fight it, they badmouth it, they go against it, they, they rebel. 
I was a fitter in type person. I was like, I just want to be accepted. I just want to be part of the social group. Please, like, I want to feel like I'm in. Some people are just rebels. They're always like, I don't like leadership. I don't know authority. I don't like anything that feels like I'm not a part of it. They're always fighting. Both of these reactions are actually like not good for your life, not good for your heart. You, you will never find your, your true, authentic self. You will never live free if you're always trying to fit in or you're always trying to rebel. There is, a, there is actually, though, an answer to finding a peace and a security in this life where you can be yourself and maybe join a social group here and be part of this and not have to feel like you're reacting there and fighting this, but actually be at peace in who you are and live your own life before God and with others. And it's not actually about just trying to find a new technique. Here's four ways of fitting in at school. If only you could be a Christian and find this other way of kind of joining this so you could. It's not about that. It's actually not looking horizontal to friendship groups and social circles. It's looking to God. Because the reason sometimes we have that insecurity that we're, that we're kind of on the outside of something is because there is actually a reality. There is an inner circle, not just of our social groups, but of the universe that we were once locked out of before God. Because you and I, we used to, as humanity, we used to walk with God. We're told in Genesis, we used to walk with God in the cool of the afternoon. That we used to like catch up with God Almighty, the one who runs things, the one who has access to everything, the one who rules everything, who looks after everything. We used to walk with him. If you've got friends who like know any celebrities, you know, or, or know someone who's like slightly famous, you're like, whoa, what's it like to like know them? You must have, it must feel good to be like have access to that person. You got their number, you're texting them. Like, that must be, a. we had that with God. And yet our problem is we ruined it. We ruined it by trying to do life by ourselves and walking away from him. And what happened is when we walked away from it, everything fractured, everything broke and we defiled ourselves and culture. And so God as the holy, perfect being could not allow us to live with him. We would just die instantly. And so as we walk away, what God does is he actually shuts access to himself. We're told that he places two cherubim on the, on the entrance to Eden in paradise. It says, you cannot get access back to me. There is an inner circle, but it's not with your social group. It's with God. And our issue is that we need to get access back to God. And so we're here floundering in the wilderness, trying to find our place in the world. And it's nothing to do with Georgia or our friends. And it's got everything to do with God. But here's the good news. God actually made a way for us to get back. And you know this new day, don't you? While we were in the wilderness, God actually did something funny. He, he set up this tabernacle that we talked about yesterday in this, this temple. And in this temple, he set up like a replica of Eden and paradise with these layers of like the world. And then there was Eden represented. And then there was this inner court, the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies represented the inner circle of life where you could actually know God and go back to walking with him. And what God did is he set up this temple structure to symbolize how you would get access back to the inner circle of life so that you could live secure again and easy in life. Here was the thing though. God said that only one person out of one tribe once a year could go and actually get access to the inner circle of life. The high priest, and he had to be a, a holy man. 
And we're told in Leviticus 16, he had to go through, if he was going to get access back to the inner circle, he would have to go through all of these washings, these ablutions. He would have to wash himself, symbolizing this sense of becoming holy and clean again. He would have to make sacrifices to animals. And only then, only once he's done all of these details and all of these things, it seems so crazy to do it. It says, only then can you go in just once and represent the nation of Israel as you go into the Holy of Holies, the inner circle. And as the high priest, finds himself in the inner circle once again walking with God he represents everyone else it doesn't stop there because that was just a replica that was just a model of what God actually wanted to do in reality for you and me and when God chooses to come down in the form of Jesus Christ he is born as a baby and he is born holy by nature and by choice And he lives a perfectly righteous life. And we're told that he gets baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. Have you ever wondered why Jesus gets baptized? Because you're like, we go to baptismal services, maybe you've seen them at church and there's a testimony. I was like far from God. I was doing all this stuff. And then Christ met me. I died to my sins. I'm alive to God now. Like baptism is, is about kind of dying to sin and being alive. But what happens if you're Jesus and you, and you never sinned? Why did Jesus get baptized. I want to suggest that Jesus got baptized because he wanted to identify with you and me and carry you and me to God the Father. And as he gets baptized, he identifies with our sin and all of our needs and our sense of insecurity that we're on the outside of something. And he gets raised again. And as he gets raised, he begins to carry you and me and our sin to God the Father. His baptism was his ordination into priesthood. And Jesus Christ, our high priest, does something amazing for us. He walks towards Jerusalem and one year in Yom Kippur, when there was the day of atonement, where the high priest of Israel would actually go into the physical temple and in behind the curtain to live with God just for a moment in the inner circle. Jesus Christ does something. When the model is just there in the center of Jerusalem, Jesus Christ walks on the outside of Jerusalem, just like half a mile away or something. And he does the actual real thing that the temple was always pointing to. And Jesus Christ walks towards the final temple before God and he doesn't offer any sacrifices. Jesus doesn't carry the cross in one hand and a lamb in the other. Jesus Christ just walks himself towards this cross because it's not by bulls or goats that he's going to enter into the holy place. It is through his own blood. And Jesus Christ, the Holy One, as he gets hung on the cross, what happens is that he becomes the sacrifice. His, him as the priest is also the sacrifice. And he offers up himself. And he is the Lamb of God who was slain before God the Father. And as he is slain, the curtain is torn in two and he gains access through his blood into the temple courts, the inner place of God, our Father. Amen. This is what Hebrews says. Now the point is of what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. This is Jesus, a minister now in the holy places, in the heavenly realm right now. In the true tent that the Lord has set up. 
So where do you look to find Jesus Christ? You look to find him at the right hand of God the Father. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me and you. He's there right now, access in the inner circle. And this is the amazing thing, New Day. When you come to him, the cornerstone, the high priest, what happens is that you also become a priest with Jesus. His access becomes your access. So we're told in 1 Peter 2 that as you come to him, you yourselves, you're being built up as this temple, these living stones. And then he changes the picture because there's so much truth to pack in. And he says to be a holy priesthood. So just as Christ is a priest in the inner circle of the universe, you yourselves are now seated with him. Ephesians 2 says that as you come to him, you get raised up with Jesus and then you get to sit down with him. It's this strange thing for us that that we live as Christians in actually two places. So we do our life here in the world. We do our life. We're living, we're going to school, we're doing our exams, we're going to New Day, we're doing life. It's hard. It's bruising sometimes. It shakes up our insecurities sometimes. We've got to live this world. And yet at the same time, we are dual citizens because we also are seated in the heavenly places, that we exist right now, spiritually speaking, as real as you are sat in this field, you are sat with Jesus Christ. Revelation even goes further because Jesus tells us in Revelation 3, let me just read this because sometimes I have to reread it to like actually believe what I'm reading. Do you ever get that with the Bible? You think, "Did did I actually get that right? This is what Jesus says to you and me. He says, to the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. So you've got to, you've got to imagine Jesus Christ. Like, he is sat right now on the throne, the throne that rules and reigns over everything. And Jesus Christ, he says to you, when you come to him, even right now, like, I, I, I'll move up. For you, you can come and sit on on my throne. So you and I, we come and we're like, we walk up to Jesus, but it doesn't stop there because he invites us to turn around. No, 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 don't just look at me. Come turn around, sit sit on the, the throne with me. I have to be honest. I don't know how you and me and Jesus and all of us are metaphysically gonna sit on this throne. I don't understand that bit. It's gonna be a little bit of bum shuffling going on, I would imagine. But we're all invited to turn around and to look on the world as Jesus looks on the world and to act as a priest like Jesus acts as a priest. It's amazing. We have access. I I don't want to show off or anything, but because I'm a speaker this year, when I got to that little tent at the front, they gave me one of those like team leader lanyards that said backstage access. And I have to be honest, for a moment, I was like, that's pretty cool. I was almost tempted to take a photo, but I was like, no, no, be chill, be cool. It's fine, it's fine. Because I've never been here. I've been like a helper, a youth leader, probably not a very good youth leader, but I was a youth leader nonetheless. I was a body on the ground. And now I've got access, which is amazing because 
the toilets are like plated with gold back here and there's oysters and there's people who just fan you and do whatever you want. It's like, it's really special. So I hope one day you get access. <laughs> I think there's some coffee, I think, some Nescafe, if you like. It's nothing compared to the access that we have with God. And if we can understand that you and I, wherever we are, wherever we walk, we are priests with Jesus. We are in the inner circle of the universe. We can live calm and confident, not having to always try and fit in, not having to rebel or fight authorities or inner circles all the time, but being our authentic selves. And if we understand our identity as priests, two things will happen. The first is this, we, we, will live, we will live very secure, very calm through life. Because it will happen, there will be moments where you get knocked. You will split up from a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You will find yourself on the outside of a, a social circle that you were on the inside once. You will get job rejections. You won't get promoted in life sometimes. Life is hard but if you know that God the Father, he, he loves me and he watches over me, you won't have anything to fear. Can I, can I be vulnerable with you for a moment? Okay, thanks. I'm just going to share myself with you for a moment. Last night, I was, I was battling with insecurity. I preached the first message you know, you never know how it's going to go. There's no big top. It's like, just go for it. Second one, go for it again. My wife, she asked me, how did it go? I was like, I don't know. I think it's going okay. And then day two, though, day three, where are we? Wednesday? Thursday? Thursday today. I don't know. It's a new day day. It's one of those, like, non-time days. Last night, I was tired. And I was suddenly like, all this insecurity started like floating to the surface. I don't know how you look at me. I used to look at preachers and think, those guys, I don't know, like they, they, they did something to make them like walk with God in a special way. They're, they're, like, there's something that they got, they clicked. That's why, you know, they write the books because they nailed it. Last night, I was struggling with what is what I'm going to say worth anything? Like, I, Am I connecting? Am I, I was suddenly, you know, looking at like, I don't know, 3,000 of your faces looking back at me. I wasn't the kid at school who was like, Mr. Extrovert, drama, put me on stage. I was the kid, you know, if there was a presentation at school, my mum would always tell me, I used to do this with my feet. You never done like, and she would tell me afterwards, stop doing that thing with your feet. Just put your feet on, because I was nervous. When I first started preaching, someone said, oh, did you do drama? Drama, you don't understand. You don't know me. I didn't do drama. In my yearbook at school, I was the third most bashful person in my year. That was me. And I still live with this sometimes sense of like, okay, where, am I going to be accepted? And the good news is that I've got a father in heaven and a high priest who ever lives and pleads for me. I am in the inner circle. So... Whether you like me or not, and to be honest, I wouldn't mind if you liked me. I'm not saying like, hey, I'd love 3,000 haters in my life. That's wonderful. But it's not a big deal because I walk with God. 
in the cool of the afternoon, and he's got my back. Amen. That's the first thing. You can be secure, which I think we all want. The second thing is this. You and I as priests of God have responsibilities. This is what Peter says. He says he doesn't just say you have a status, which you do. He says you are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, don't hear this sacrifice as like, I've got to do things. I've got to really suffer because if I suffer and show myself worthy, then maybe God will let me into his presence. No, we as those who are Christ's priests, we stand already accepted, already adopted into the family of priesthood. And as we are in the inner circle from this place of acceptance, we offer happy and glad sacrifices willingly, knowing that this comes from a place of abundance with God. Because as you have access into heaven and the courts of heaven, you have a wealth of resources to draw upon. And as you have these resources in heaven to draw upon, to cool down heaven onto earth, it comes with responsibilities. To quote the theologian, Peter Parker's uncle, with great responsibility, no, with great power, All right, come on, you Marvel fans. And it's true for us. God has entrusted a lot of power into your hands. He has thrown open the access to the power of heaven in Jesus Christ. And it comes with responsibilities. Sacrifices are to be made. What are some of these sacrifices for you and me to make? The first and the most important one is to pray. How, how do you call down the power of heaven onto earth? You simply ask God. You don't have to get into any meditative state. You don't have to do anything. In the name of Jesus, we call down the power of heaven onto earth. You can be sitting in your common room struggling with something. And you, because you are a priest in Jesus Christ, you can offer up a prayer and you can call on almighty God into your common room to change the scenario, to change the atmosphere, to bring peace and strength into your life in that moment. And just, just tonight, we're going to be praying for healing. That's a priestly activity. You have been called to do that. So when the moment comes and someone says to you, right, gather around someone who, who, who has put their hand up to be healed, you don't walk diffidently, you know, like uncertain, like, I don't know, should I do this? You lift up your head, you remind yourself, I'm a priest of God. I've been authorized to do this. And you lay a hand on their shoulder and you look to Jesus you don't have to feel strong, do you know that, to pray for healing? Because Jesus Christ is our high priest. So you lay your hand on that person, you look to Jesus, say, you immediately, we're priests, we've been called now to draw down heaven and the kingdom here on earth, and this person needs healing. So Jesus, in your name, would you heal this person? You walk as a priest of God. This happened to me. I, my first new day was 11 years ago. And when I was a teenager, I, I did... 
a, a lot of skating and I, I basically ruined my knees. I once saw a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger and basically I wanted to be like him. So for like three or four years, I was like in the gym trying to, it didn't really work out, but that's another story. I, I wrecked my knees basically. And for like a decade, I couldn't do any sport. Walking was painful, going upstairs, I had all this cartilage and issues and things like this. My first time at New Day and that, that Thursday night game, and they said, just if, if you're by yourself, put your hand on what, so I, I placed my hand on my knees. I felt really stupid at the moment. I was like, I just, I'm desperate. I need, I did that. And you know what? Jesus healed me. I hadn't done any sport. I hadn't, walking upstairs was painful if I sat for a while. And that new day, I played football for the first time in like 11 years. I think I caused Hope Church Orpington to lose because I played, but, and I'm still no good. I try, <laughs> this is totally random. Me and Stephen were playing football and I tried to do a Rabona. Anyone know what those are? You know, like your little Ronaldo does them really nicely. Anyway, I missed the ball, kicked my shin and now I need I'm still hobbling. I still need healing. So I'm not a good footballer, but at least I can play. That's not the point. Jesus is our priest. And we are his priest. And so we're called to pray. So you pray with confidence tonight. Tomorrow, we're going to be taking up a special offering. We're going to be giving financially. That is a priestly activity. And here's the thing. If you don't know that you're in the inner circle with God, you're safe and secure with him. If you're not sure about that, you might look at your money and think, "Ah, I don't think I want to give this away because this this money can give me access to kind of clothes that will make me look good. I will be able to go and do things with my mates. I'll be able to join them. You will look at your money and you think, I don't want to do this. I I want this for myself because I've got things I want to like. If you know that God the Father looks on you, And if anyone brings any charge against you, it means nothing because God has already justified you in Jesus Christ. If you know that, you can look at your money and you say, do you know what? I can give this away because God's got my back. I'm not fighting to get in anything. I'm already in. I'm going to offer up my sacrifice. We worship and we offer up our sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving to Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you that when you worship, you do it enthusiastically, like you have been adopted into the inner circle of the universe, like you have got something good in your life. When you turn up at church on a Sunday, let me encourage you, don't just sit, sit and stand there with your hands in your pockets thinking, oh. do it as a priest of God and offer up sacrifices that are pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. Amen. You're a priest wherever you go. You're in school, you're a priest. You're in church, you're a priest. You are a chosen generation to be the ones who call down heaven onto earth right now. And I'm, I'm pleading with you that you would lift your heads, New Day, and walk in the calling that Jesus has given you. Believe it. When moments that knock you come, believe it. Lift up your head. I had to do it this morning. Lift up your head, Daniel. You're a priest of God. Be faithful to your high priest in Jesus Christ. And may heaven come because of our generation. Amen. Can we stand to our feet?
The Bible says that the prayers of the priests of God are like incense. And that prayers that are offered up to God, they find their way to the presence of God and God finds it a pleasing aroma. There is not one prayer that you have prayed in Jesus' name that has been lost. You forgot about it, but God the Father has not forgot about it because it is still a pleasing aroma to him. And our first and chief role as priests is is to pray. So before we come and we, we give our hearts to Jesus, we lift our gaze to the place where we sit in Jesus' heavenly places. We're just going to pray for a moment. We're going to operate as priests. We're going to practice our role as priests. We're going to lift our heads and look to Jesus. The way that priests would normally pray is standing with arms raised high, symbolizing that I am now standing in the gap between the God of the heavens and the earth and the world that desperately needs him. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you want to walk as a priest, if you want to fulfill your ministry, your ordained ministry, would you lift up your arms right now as a priest of God? That we might stand in the gap for our generation, that our friends and our nation and the nations would know the glory of God because we stood in the gap and we prayed and we called down heaven. We sent up incense to God. And he said, yes, in Jesus' name, yes, my kingdom come. I'm going to ask us to do something while your hands are still raised, just for a moment. I'm going to ask us to pray out loud, just for a moment. Where you are, you might want to pray in your mother tongue, in a heavenly language. But just begin to pray and ask God to come into your school, to come into your friendship groups, to come into your heart. Some of you are still struggling with insecurity. Ask the God of the heavens and the earth to invade your heart so that you might know your position as a priest. Establish it in your heart. Would you do it just right now? Just start to pray. Don't worry about the people to the left or to the right. Call down heaven right now as a priest of God. Just for a minute. That's all we are gonna do. Just for a minute. Pray to him call on him. Your kingdom come, your will be done. If you haven't got words, just pray that a few times. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Here in my life, in my heart, in my school, in my town, in my church, in that thing that's bothering me, your kingdom come, oh God. I come to you as a priest with access. Lift your gaze, just pray, just a few more moments.